Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Title of my message this uh, morning is Fully Known and Fully Loved. And I contend that to be fully known and fully loved is the only way to a truly wonderful life. So why don't you come with me in your Bibles to Psalm 139. It's gonna be on the screen behind me if you don't have a Bible, but if you do have one, open it up. This is a very famous Psalm of King David. Many of you will have heard these words, whether you read the Bible a lot or not. Um, But before we, we get there, to be fully known and fully loved is the greatest manner of existence possible. To be fully loved but not fully known is superficial. It means that people only love the version of you that you let them see. And it's exhausting. You always have to keep up a ruse with everybody around you. They can't see, can't see me ever break down. They can't see me ever drop any balls. I gotta hold it all together. And that's, that's what they love about me. They love that I always have it all together. And they don't love you. They love the version of you that you let them see. And it's exhausting. It's unsustainable. You can't live a fulfilled, happy life like that. To be fully known, but not fully loved, is the greatest of all human fears. It's to be rejected. It means, here's all that I am, and for someone to look at that and say, no thanks. It's the greatest of all human fears, to be rejected, to be fully known, but not fully loved. But to be fully known and fully loved is freedom, it's assurance. I heard a a preacher say one time, it is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness and fortifies us for any difficulty that life can throw at us. So I wanna read this Psalm from King David, Psalm 139 verses one through 10. It's gonna be on the screen behind me. And I want you to listen to how simultaneously hopeful and terrifying this is. Are you ready? 139, starting in verse one. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, oh Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. That, that's pretty confronting. What David is saying is that God knows every single thought. And for most people, that's not very comforting. I think some really weird things sometimes. It's a little terrifying that God knows every thought. But to David, this was actually a great comfort, the idea that God knows him fully and completely. I wanna draw a couple of just quick thoughts out of this passage. So uh, if you're taking notes, Wanna go to heaven? Write this down. Point number one. 
being known requires faith. And I love what it says in, in verse 10. King David says, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. What that means is that King David had placed himself in the hand of God, leaning on him. That takes trust because if you put your weight on something, leaning on it, and that support is taken away, then you fall down. So King David is saying, I trust you so much that I have put my weight into your hand. I give my life into your hand. It takes faith to be known. It means you could get hurt if you open yourself up and, and are vulnerable. To be vulnerable literally means to be without defenses. It means I'm putting down my armor, I'm putting down my sword. This is me, this is all that I am. And yeah, you could be betrayed. But it takes faith to step out and to be known. My kids, I've got small kids. Most of you guys know my son Zeke is six. My daughter Everly is four. And we have um, a set of stairs in my house. And the, the set of stairs, it's, you know, the, the stairs are hardwood floors. The floor at the bottom is hardwood floors. And it doesn't matter, like my kids could be on stair number eight. And if I'm anywhere near the bottom of the stairs, whether looking at them or not, they will just just jump. And thankfully, because of my chiseled physique, my athletic build, my elite strength, I catch them every time. It doesn't even matter. Like I could barely be looking and they will fling themselves because they know that their daddy will catch them. And I was thinking about it and there had to have been, I don't remember like specifically when it was, but there had to have been a very first time that Everly, my daughter, stood on the steps you know, knees shaking, and I, w I was like, come on, baby, you can do it. Daddy will catch you, I promise, just jump. And it was probably only like step two, like she hadn't worked her way up to step seven or eight yet. And, but there, there had to have been a moment for the very, very first time that she jumped and trusted that I would catch her. Now, can you imagine if that very, very first time, I was like, come on, baby, you can do it, daddy will catch you. And then she jumps and I go, That would have been the last time. But she knows every single time she's ever jumped into my arms, her daddy has always caught her. But there was a first time that she had to actually take that leap of faith, trusting me at my word. I said, baby, I will catch you. Your daddy will not let you fall. I will catch you. There had to have been a first time. And I love it when people say, well, you know, that's good for you. I'm just not really a, a person of faith. I'm a person of science. Like, oh, you are, you're a person of science, not faith, really. So what you're telling me then is that you have yourself conducted experiments to prove to yourself all of the, every single phenomena of physics and chemistry, you yourself have done the experience, you, experiments. You have actually neutralized acids and bases and, and done all these things. Because if not, you don't actually believe in science, you believe in what other people tell you about science. You actually have faith that what people are telling you about science is true. Everybody has faith. Anybody that says I'm not a person of faith, I'm like, you, you are incredibly not self-aware. Can you imagine what it would be like if somebody really actually had no faith? Zero. Let me tell you what it would look like. You'd go into your office. You'd look at your chair. You'd say, I'm not gonna sit down this thing. How do I know this thing's gonna hold me up? How do I know? that a disgruntled coworker that's upset that I've been cooking salmon in the lounge and stinking up the office, 
has not come in and unscrewed and loosened every single screw in my chair so that when I sit down, I fall over and I look silly. You would have to get down on your hands and knees and check every chair you ever sat in. I guarantee you, none of you got on your hands and knees and inspected the chair for its structural integrity before you sat down. I also bet none of you, before you walked into this building, stopped at the the door, said, I'm not coming in until you show me the engineering drawings. How, How do I know that the engineer that designed this building designed it in such a way that it will not fall down and collapse upon me? I wanna see the engineering drawings right now. You have faith that this building was constructed to code. Now, the reason that none of you checked your chairs or demanded to see the construction drawings, it's the reason when you go order a burrito, a California burrito at Lolita's, you don't say, hey, I must watch your hands make my burrito. If I don't watch you with my eyes make my California burrito, I don't know that you didn't spit in it. That's what a, a, a true faithless person would look like. The reason you don't do any of that is because hopefully, for the most part, Every building you've ever walked in has not collapsed down upon you. And every time you've sat down in a chair, hopefully, always, it's held you up. But there had to have been a first time. And then slowly, confidence gets built up where now you don't just, you just sit down in a chair. You just know it's gonna hold you up. But it takes faith for the very, very first time. It takes faith. And I love in this psalm, It's so beautiful because at the end of the psalm, which we didn't read, I'm gonna have him put it up there. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. This is at the very end. We read the beginning. At the end, King David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, why that's so compelling is if we go back to verse one that we started with, it says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. But then at the end, he says, search me and know me. And so we see this beautiful invitation that King David says, search me, O God. There is nothing that I will withhold from you. Every area of my heart is yours, all of my fears, all of my anxieties. I give you access to search me. And then there's this beautiful symmetry of God going in and knowing David fully and there being this closeness, this relationship, this fully known relationship between David and God. It takes faith to be fully known. It takes faith. And maybe, maybe for you, you're in here and you need to give God access. Maybe, there's, maybe he's got 80% of you. But you know, my upbringing my relationship with my father, we're, we're not gonna deal with that. We're gonna leave that, leave that buried. Maybe he has all of you except for your finances. God can have every part of me, but don't talk about my money, don't touch my money. Maybe he has all of you except for your marriage. Maybe he has all of you except for your leisure time. Maybe it's like, hey, I'll do whatever, but just don't mess with my Sunday afternoon or whatever it is. What, what area of your life needs access for God? And maybe it's with other people. Maybe for the first time ever, You need to reach out to a friend, to a connect group leader, to a pastor at our church, to your wife or your husband and give them access and say, here's me. Here's the things I'm scared of. Here's the things I'm struggling with. Here's the the questions I have. Here's the doubts I have. And let me tell you the truth. Yes, you could be betrayed. Yes, you could be hurt. But what a tragedy it would be to take the sting of a previous betrayal 
and close off the walls of your heart and never let anybody else in. And there's people that have made inner vows like that. They've said, I will never open myself up like that ever again. And you know what? The reality is, yeah, if you do that, you'll probably keep yourself from being hurt. But you'll also keep yourself from being fully known, from being liberated by what it feels like to be accepted, to be, to be empowered, to launch into all that God has created you to be. It takes faith to let yourself be known. Point number two, being known requires disclosure. You have to actually disclose things about yourself to be known. And there's something really beautiful in this psalm. Now you guys need to understand that this psalm was written by David pre-Jesus. Jesus has not come yet. Jesus has not existed yet. Okay, David was the king of the Israelites, pre-Jesus. And I want you to put um, verse, I think it's verse six. Uh, 139, Psalm 139, verse six. And I love this. King David says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. And for David, it was like, there was this angst of like, gosh, you know, you know everything there is to know about me. I've given you full access, but I just, I can only know just like the, the tiniest little sliver of you. There's, there's, there's this angst in me that wants to know you more. And it's because God hadn't disclosed himself yet. Now, can you imagine, I used this analogy during the 9 a.m. and I got rebuked by my wife, so I will qualify this a little better. Imagine on Katie and I's first date, now know, this is the disclaimer, that our first date did not go like this. Our first date was amazing. She was a great conversationalist. We ended up getting married, clearly. So it went very well. But imagine if on our very first date, we sit down at the Cheesecake Factory, which is where our first date was, fine dining establishment, where you can have anything from Thai lettuce wraps to a hamburger, to chicken tikka masala, to tamales. The menu is like a Leo Tolstoy novel. It's like, I just, it's like 12 pages to figure out if you have Pepsi or not. And imagine we sat down and first date, you know, so a little jitters and trying to work it out. And, and I'm like, all right, well, hey, you know, thanks so much for having dinner with me. Great to see you. How was your day? And Katie says, Okay, great, well, awesome, glad you had a good day. Uh, you know, I know you're in, you're in school, you're going to University of North Texas, that's great. You know, what are you, what are you studying at, at UNT? Business? Awesome, great business, oh, you know, very useful, very practical skill, good for you, that's awesome. You know, what are you, what are you, what are you planning on doing after, after you get your business degree? Get a job. Come on, I would be like, la cuenta, por favor. Date prisa, date prisa. That would, that, would have been, that would have been it. The only date, no callback. Didn't happen that way. Didn't happen that way. It was amazing. Sparks flying everywhere. <laughs> Chemistry, attraction. Bzzz, like a tractor beam. But if Katie wouldn't have chosen to disclose herself to me, I would not have been able to know her. She has to actually make the decision to disclose things about herself to me. So how has God disclosed himself to us? I want you to 
listen, this is my favorite passage in all of the Bible. That's, that's saying a lot, it's a big Bible. This is Job chapter 26. I want you to listen to how beautiful this language is about the creator God. Job 26, seven through 14, it says, he stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. He binds up the water in his thick clouds, yet the clouds are not broken under it. He covers the face of his throne and spreads his clouds over it. He drew a circular horizon on the face of the waters, which means that Job was a flat earther. At the boundary of light and darkness, the pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his rebuke. He stirs up the sea with his power and by his understanding, he breaks up the storm. By his spirit, he adorned the heavens. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. And this is the part that gets me, verse 14. Indeed, these are the mere edges of his ways. And how small a whisper we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? And that's what King David was saying in Psalm 139. He says, you've, you've, you've known me, O Lord. You've, you've searched me. You know everything there is to know about. You know my thoughts. You know if I go to the heavens, you're there. If I go down to the depths of hell, you're there. But then he said, there's just, I, why can't I know you the way that I, I feel like I should, I could? It's because God hadn't disclosed himself yet. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, which we're not gonna do, but it's, a lot of you would know that Hebrews 11 is, is the chapter of faith. It just talks about faith in the Bible. And it, and it gives the definition of faith. And then it gives this laundry list of all the heroes of the faith. And it says, you know, by faith, Abraham, blah, 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 blah. By faith, Moses, blah, 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 blah. By faith, Abel gave an offering, blah, 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 blah. Lists all of these great men and women of faith, the patriarchs all throughout the Bible, the Old Testament, and it says at the end of Hebrews chapter 11, but every single one of them died waiting on a promise, anticipating the promise, but in their lifetime, the promise never came. What was that promise? It was the promise of God's self-disclosure of himself. Colossians chapter one, verse 15 says that he, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. If you want to know how a finite being, me and you, just live in our lives here on earth, how we can actually know the kind of God that Job talks about that hangs the earth on nothing. It's through God's self-disclosure of himself in the man, Jesus Christ. The best illustration I've ever heard, I've used this before, but I don't have anything better, so I'm gonna say it again, because it's good. There was an author in the early 1900s, her name was Dorothy Sayers, and she uh, was the, one of the very first women to ever go to Oxford uh, College in England. And she wrote these um, detective short stories um, called the Lord Peter Whimsey stories. And Lord Peter Whimsey was this um, aristocratic detective. He was tall and lanky and kind of miserly and uh, single and, um, and would go around kind of solving all these mysteries. And in the middle of the series, all of a sudden another character shows up and this character was named Harriet Vane. And in the stories, Harriet Vane was one of the first women to ever go to Oxford and was an author of detective fiction. And in the story, Lord Peter Wimsley falls in love with Harriet Vane and they spend the rest of their lives solving mysteries together. And so what happened, people think, is that Dorothy Sayers, the author, looked into the world that she had created and fell in love with this character that she had made, Lord Peter Whimsey. And she actually, her heart broke for him and she wrote herself 
as Harriet Vane, as a character in the story to rescue him from his loneliness. And in the same way, God looked into the world that he made and saw our loneliness and wrote himself into the play as a character named Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's self-disclosure of himself. If you want to know what the infinite creator God is like, you look to Jesus. If you wanna know the character of the God of the universe, it's the same as the character of Jesus Christ. If you wanna know what the God of the universe cares about, you look at what Jesus Christ cares about. Jesus Christ is God's self-disclosure of himself. It's the only way that we can know him in the way that King David was talking about. To be known requires disclosure. Point number three, being known requires intimacy. Intimacy means closeness. Intimacy means other things. I know what you're all thinking. And yes, that is a form of intimacy. There's physical intimacy. There's emotional intimacy, spiritual intimacy. And really in the Bible, actually, to know somebody is a euphemism for sex. It says Adam knew his wife Eve. That doesn't mean they shook hands and introduced themselves to one another. It says Adam knew his wife. And then Pastor Marco was talking about how Mary, when the angel of the Lord comes to her and says, you're gonna give birth to, a, to the savior of the world. She said, how can this be? For I do not know a man. It was funny, I was talking to Pastor Morgan Irvin and there used to be this realtor in Pacific Beach and he had all these signs and it said, Pete knows PB. And Pastor Morgan was like, I hope he doesn't mean that like, like biblically. <laughs> PB's a pretty big town. It's like, Pete, you need to go to the doctor immediately. So when I first met Katie, um, I met her on her 20th birthday. And I wish that I could tell you that it was love at first sight. It wasn't. And it was really because I was still wrapped up in this other girl that I was navigating this breakup with. And, but I'm still a red-blooded male. And so I met Katie and I was like, hmm, put that in my back pocket. And then I, after I met her, I did what any normal young man would do. And I stalked her on social media. Now this was before Instagram. And like, I think it was back when like Facebook, you had to have a .edu email address. Okay, that's, goes back a ways. And so I was sitting down on the couch with my friend Josh and I'm like, hey bro, what do you know about uh, Katie Ward? And he said, oh man, she's like Mother Teresa. And I was like, Mother, have you ever seen Mother Teresa? I mean, thank God for her, but you know. So I was like, okay, that's not a good start. And so I was stalking her Facebook and I saw this picture of her that, that just, there was something about it that just got me. And I, want, I, want, I actually found the picture. I wanna put it up here. That's, that's Katie there in the middle if you couldn't find her. And I just remember being like, who is this girl? Like she goes to Africa and hangs out with orphans on purpose. 
And there was just, I'd never been with anybody like that. It was so intriguing to me. And then it was, there was something about, like she looks so sweet there, but there's 10% naughtiness in that smile. It's like just 10% of mischievousness. I could see it. And I was, I was like, okay, I'm interested. Now, can you imagine if from that moment, I just started telling people, yeah, me and Katie Ward, we're dating. We're a thing, we're an item. That would be so weird. Like restraining order, weird. Can't do that. If all I'd ever done was meet her once and saw her on Facebook and told people we were dating. There's a lot of people that call themselves Christians and they've only ever read about God on Instagram. You just repost other Bible verse posts that other people post. You don't even come up with your own content. You know, I am a big, what did I say during the first service that was very confusing? I said, oh, I said, I love you too. But I meant I love you too, like the band. Everybody was like, oh, and I was like, but then I felt really bad because I was like, no, that's not what I meant. I was like, wait, wait, that is what I meant. I love you too. I do love you too. But what I'm talking about is I love Bono and the Edge and you too. And so I know a lot about Bono. I know that his real name is Paul David Hewson. I know that he's won 22 Grammys more than any other band in the history of music. I know a lot about him. I've actually even been in the presence of Bono. I saw you too in Cowboy Stadium in probably 2011, I would guess. I stood right at the front of house sound booth in the apex of sound and it was amazing. I've been in the presence of Bono. I've even been emotionally moved in the presence of Bono. When they sang Where the Streets Have No Name into Amazing Grace, it was a transcendent moment of art and I cried, I was moved. But if you go up to Bono and say, hey man, how's Mike Yeager doing? Who? Because he doesn't know me and I don't know him. I know a lot about him. I've been in his presence. I've been moved in his presence, but I do not know him. There's a lot of people that know a lot about God. There's a lot of people that have even been in the presence of God. The Bible says that where two or more are gathered, there he is in their midst. That means that every single one of you are in the presence of God right now. You may have even been moved in the presence of God. Maybe when we were singing and we switched to Spanish, you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that God spoke Spanish. This is amazing. Maybe you were emotionally moved. My friend Bryce speaks Spanish, actually. It was amazing. I, I was at night of Christmas and I was just kind of thundering away in Spanish to some of my friends trying to show off a little bit. And then Bryce just jumped into the conversation. I was like, ay, guerito. We all know Spanish is the language of heaven. We're not gonna get to heaven and St. Peter speaking English. Hey y'all, welcome, uh, welcome to heaven. This is the pearly gates. It's not gonna be like that. He's gonna say, bienvenidos. Estoy Santo Pedro. Aquí estás en las puertas del cielo. It just sounds better. Maybe you've even been moved in the presence of God. 
Maybe you know a lot about him. Maybe you, you've been in his presence. Maybe you've been emotionally, maybe you've just, you've stood on the beach and seen a sunset and just said, wow, this is amazing. I'm gonna be honest with you. That's not the same as knowing him. And point number four, as we close, being loved requires God to be fully known and fully loved. The only relationship in the universe that offers that is a relationship with the God that made you. Jesus Christ, John 14, six, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now there's people that would say, well, do we know that he really said that? I mean, isn't the Bible just a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy? It's just been, and the reality is it's not. That we have original manuscripts still preserved with the original Greek, the original Hebrew, the original Aramaic, still. So it's not been translated and mistranslated and missed. Anybody that says that, that's not, I mean, it's just not the reality. The reality is we have manuscripts from this time period. Jesus Christ actually said, a real man said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father unless it's through me. Do you know how insane that is? And that's one of the big problems that people have with Christianity is it's exclusivity. What, and that's, that is why you cannot say, you cannot say that Jesus was just a great teacher just a good philosopher, a lot of good lessons we can learn from him. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to God unless it's through me. He's either telling the truth or he is an absolute lunatic that we should have nothing to do with. There is no in between. You have to do something with that. You have to actually make a decision. Do I believe what he said about himself or not? I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. 10 years ago when I came to this church, I didn't have all the answers. You know, a lot of you guys know I'm an engineer by trade. I'm very analytical. Um, that's my, my, my nature. And faith was very hard for me. It was like, and I remember 10 years ago coming to this church and just being on the precipice of like, I, there's something I... It was like I, I was experiencing something. I felt things that I couldn't explain. There was, there was just something in God's house that was intriguing to me. But I, I remember, you know, praying, like barely even believing in a God that I was praying to. If you're real, I need to know. I'm not, I can't go through, I'm not gonna give my entire life to this unless I can know for sure but that's actually not the invitation that's given to us. The invitation is, come follow me and then I will give you the answers. And if you look at the apostle Peter, Jesus didn't sit down with him and tell him all the things that were gonna happen in his life. Peter, only human being to walk on the surface of the water, documented like historical reportage that Simon Peter walked on the surface of water stood on a mountaintop to see Jesus transfigured and saw Elijah and Moses appear next to him. It wasn't like when, when Jesus called Peter, he sat him down and said, all right, man, let me tell you all the cool stuff you're gonna be a part of. 
You're gonna see me transfigured on a mountain. You're gonna walk on water. People are gonna walk by your shadow and your shadow's gonna heal them. It's gonna be insane. You're gonna be the very first sermon in the history of the church. You're gonna stand up on the day of Pentecost. You're gonna preach and 3,000 people are gonna come to join the church. Literally the invitation was, I want you to leave your fishing nets, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. That was it. And Peter said, I don't have all the answers. I have no idea the adventure I'm in for, but there's something about this, I'm in. And there was a step of faith that Peter took to be known, to be loved, to step into the wildest adventure. And that's my story. I said, yes, not even knowing what I was saying yes to. If 10 years ago, if you could have asked me, and I don't say this like bragging about my life because I, I can take no credit. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, Mike, what did, you know, get a bunch of magazine clippings and make a vision board. I wouldn't have even have known that the things I get to do now, it wasn't even in my vocabulary back then. I wouldn't even have known to ask for it. I probably would have just said something dumb, like I wanna be a billionaire with a yacht and a house in Florence or something, I don't know, which would be cool. I'm still hoping for that, that'd be sweet. But the meaning the honor of building God's church at this moment in time in America's finest city. I get to be a part of that because I said yes. I had no idea 10 years ago what I was saying yes to. But it has been the greatest adventure, the wildest ride. I've never been more happily married. I have the most unbelievable friendships and community. The, the experiences that I've had, even as just a 37 year old are insane the stuff that I've gotten to be a part of. And it's because of a yes to an invitation. Follow me, see what happens. And so I'd love, um, just as we close, if you just bow your heads and close your eyes for a quick second, I just wanna give anybody in here just an invitation to say yes to that. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you will open the door for me, I will come in and I will dine with you and you with me. And I love that because it doesn't say, I stand at the door and I kick it down and I barge into your home, whether you want me to or not, because that's not a relationship. Can you imagine if at the Cheesecake Factory, I just clubbed Katie over the head and drug her back to my cave by her ponytail? That's that's called assault. It's against a bunch of really good laws. That's not love. Love is an invitation to be close to one another, to let each other in, to disclose things about you and to be accepted. And I'm telling you, there's an invitation. Jesus said, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if you'll open it up, if you will open it up, I will come in and I will dine with you and you with me. So maybe you're in here and you've never actually Maybe you didn't even know that was an invitation. Maybe you didn't even know that's, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this. Here in a second, I'm gonna count to three. And if, if you want to open the door, so to speak, then here in a second, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand up and I'm just gonna walk you through a very, very simple prayer. If you, maybe, maybe you've kind of like, you know, cracked the door a little bit where you still have like the chain, the chain with the door and you've kind of peeked through and maybe had a little exchange with Jesus, but you've never actually opened the door all the way, given him full access. Or maybe you let him in a long time ago. Maybe you grew up in the church and used to walk with him, but you've fallen away, slipped away, life, you know, got in the way, whatever, who cares? But you know that he's 
back at the door, knocking and asking you to invite him in, then this is for you too. So here in a second, I want you to lift your hand if you're in any one of those categories of people. And I'm just gonna walk you through a very, very simple prayer. And that prayer is just a prayer of invitation. It's an invitation to let him in. So that's you on the count of three with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to shoot your hand up. One, two, three. Who needs to make that decision today? I see that hand, 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 great. Who else? I see that hand, amazing young lady. Once I've seen you, you go ahead and put it down. There in the back, I see your hand, I see your hand. You guys are amazing. Anybody else? I see your hand, my dude. Proud of you. Awesome. I see you. You're amazing. Proud of you. Anybody else need to make that decision today? 10 more seconds. Amazing, amazing. Hey, can we give a big round of applause for you to lift their hands? So proud of you. Go top to our feet really, really quickly. So, hey, we're going to do something. Um, and again, I meant what I said. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you personally. I can't uh, logistically get to, to all of you. And so um, here in a second, I'm going to ask you to do something brave. And I'm not doing this to embarrass you or anything like that. But if you did, raise your hand. Here in a second, I want you to actually make your way out of your seat and come down to the front. And I'm going to get down off the stage. And I want to shake your hand and actually meet you. And then I'm going to walk you through this prayer. So if that was you, you did raise your hand. I want you to just do something really, really brave. If you were with somebody that raised their hand, offer to walk down with them. Come on, make your way down to the front if you raise your hand. So proud of you. Come on, how amazing is this? Can we give a great shout for everybody that came up here? Hey, listen, I want—I just want you guys to know, um, again, what, you know, I don't, don't pull you up here to embarrass you or anything like that. It's um, sometimes if you stay where you are, you run the risk of staying where you are. And so I just wanted to create a moment for you to actually stand up, come down to the front as a line in the sand that my life's going to be different. And I'm just telling you, you're in for a wild ride. And I can't, I can't even describe just the, the joy that has come to my wife and I just living a life of faith and getting to be a part of the telling of the greatest story ever told. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, I'm gonna walk you through a very, very simple prayer. I want you to repeat it after me, but here's the great thing. We're not just gonna listen to you guys, pray it all by yourselves. Once you, when you get God as your father, you get a bunch of, a bunch of amazing brothers and sisters too. So everybody in the building is gonna be praying this prayer loud and proud alongside every single one of you. So come on church, let's all bow our heads and pray this prayer. Let's say, dear heavenly father, I thank you today for sending Jesus on a rescue mission to save me. Today I declare that my sins are forgiven, that heaven is my home, that God is my father, that you have a destiny for me, that you have a legacy for me to build, that you have an adventure for me, that I am your child in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.